This is Joe Henderson, Disc Golf, and I'm sponsored by Okanagan Discs, and you're listening to the Chain Clankers Podcast. You're listening to the Chain Clankers Podcast with your hosts, Quinn Ferris and Horatio Gonzalez. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Chain Clankers. How's it going, everybody? Horatio here with Quentin with the Chain Clankers Podcast. We are happy to have you again for this very exciting episode. Quentin, please tell us what we are going to talk about today. Yeah, man, we have a super fun episode for you guys today. Uh, today, we are going to be talking a lot about leagues and like making them successful, but also we're talking to someone who's extremely successful. Joe Henderson is somebody who has turned a city with no disc golf courses in it to a thriving disc golf community and she has created a very successful women's league which i just hearing that story and hearing how many people showed up on their first day and where it is now you're going to be shocked and just amazed at what all has gone into it and she's going to teach you how to make a successful league night and she's going to show you some tips and advice for making it great as well as maybe some pitfalls and things to avoid so super fun episode we also talked about this thing that she's doing on Instagram, Joe Back Thursday, and kind of how she's worked with Joe Mess Pro in the past and potentially the future as well, um, and their continued partnership with that, and just kind of talking about how to talk to those big dogs and, you know, collaborating with other people and even just going up to people out on the course and talking to them. So, super fun episode. Joe was incredible to talk to. Wish her nothing but the best in the future and what she's doing. But make sure you guys hit the like button on YouTube if you enjoy this video. If you enjoy the things that Joe is saying, leave us a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. We look forward to hearing that feedback and definitely appreciate everyone who is tapping in every single week. Without further ado, let's go ahead and let's bring Joe on. Joe, welcome on to the podcast. Super excited to be talking to you. I know there's just a fountain of information on the other side of the camera right now. I'm super excited to talk to you. How are we doing today? Doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Can't wait to chat with you guys. Yeah, definitely. I just want to say, you know, it was, I think I put this question out on our Instagram a couple a week ago or so and we're like hey who are you guys who are some people that you guys know in your community in your towns that would be cool to talk to and someone reached out from your town and we're like hey you guys should talk to her she's really cool she's done some stuff here so shout out to them for doing that that's awesome thank you to whoever you are that's amazing thank you what uh what town are you repping right now i'm actually living in edmonton alberta canada so we play disc golf quite primarily actually in the snow which is pretty fun, but yeah, it's awesome. We have like two seasons. We have snow disc golf and we have summer disc golf. It's great. Which one do you prefer? Honestly, for me, I would say that the winter golf makes me a better summer golf player. So like I, I definitely love both, but I would say that the summer golf is way easier and you feel a little bit more confident in your game for sure. Nice. Yeah. I feel, uh, I've been someone who recently is, team winter disc golf right now um so yeah i just love hearing that especially someone who has so much more snow than we have had uh in recent winters so that's really interesting any tips for like playing in in the snow um oh tips for playing in the snow definitely dress for the weather dress for whatever weather you have there um and maybe just like recognize that the snow could have like frozen and melted a couple times so it might be like super icy and your disc might skip a ton. So heads up on that. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely played some rounds in the snow where I've spent like 20, 30 minutes looking for a disc because they'll literally just fly straight into the snow and you have no idea where they and you don't watch them. Totally. Yeah, we use ribbons sometimes and that helps too. just having a little ribbon on your disc. And then sometimes that ribbon just sticks out of the snow and you can easily find your disc a little bit better. Yeah. Nice. Sweet. Well, Joe, let's take things all the way back. How long have you been playing disc golf? Okay. Whoa. Let's take it all the way back. I have been playing disc golf or like introduced to this sport, I would say maybe um, back in 2010, probably around 20, 2010 or 2011. And uh, primarily my brothers got me into the game and I just started playing just to spend more time with them and spend more time with my family that plays. And so 
was that just like kind of in your town? Did you start going out to league nights or how did that go? Uh, mostly actually it went on just like, we didn't have a course in my city. I lived in seminar in British Columbia uh, in Canada and we didn't have a disc golf course in, in my city. So we would go to Kamloops, BC or Kelowna, BC and um, play there. But eventually my brothers got so addicted and my family got so addicted that we actually ended up making a course right at our cabin. So, Wow. Yeah. <laughs> How big was the course? Uh, 18 holes. Yeah. So it's still there. Oh, it's still wow. standing, constantly changing, moving holes around. My brother, Andy Henderson is like the main, the main craftsmanship of all of that. So yeah, shout out to him because he did an amazing job on it. What do you think it is, I mean, personally for you or for your family, about disc golf that is like so addicting? I'll think about this a lot when I'm out on the course by myself, like on those 100 degree days, like why am I out here? But I don't care because I'm just like so hooked. What was it for you guys? Uh, for us, I think for my brothers, for sure. Um, I think for them, it was definitely more about like the personal achievement and like the personal growth that you can have with disc golf. And it's Honestly, for me, the, when I started, it was just like a nice way to get out. It's like basically a walk with, in the park with a purpose, which felt amazing to me. I could just go for a walk, throw a couple discs, go for a walk. Like it just, it just was so natural for us. And my mom and dad actually grew up playing disc sports. So I think that was probably a big part of it. And they've always been really, really athletic. So for us, it's just seems really natural just to get into and dive into. What was it that kind of like turned it from a walk like with a purpose and a little bit of competitiveness to it to actually like, hey, this is something I would like to go out and do as much as I humanly can. Like, where did that like addictive factor come in, I guess? Right. So for me, the addictive factor actually came in pretty well, I would say just when COVID hit. Um, it was definitely due to COVID and there was no like gym or anything else that I could do that was like physical activity exercise like that was allowed during COVID and so for me I think the majority of my competitiveness definitely came out from that and it was it was pretty sweet just to see how many people actually had the same experience as me and I've been able to connect with a lot of people through that alone and yeah I played a doubles tournament um, back in October, I think it was just like a casual, like league, league doubles every Sunday, kind of weekly doubles. And I asked them, I was like, so like, are there any females that play? Is this something that happens regularly? And they actually said, yeah, like lots of females come out. And I was like, so, so, so excited to get there and like, check it out. And <laughs> I got there and scanned the like environment. And I was like, what? I'm the only woman here. I'm the only lady. So yeah, that's kind of when for me, I was like, okay, I can keep up with these guys. And I actually am not doing too bad. Like I'm, I'm keeping up and I'm playing a decent round. So why not competitive, like get more competitive at this. And for me, that was kind of when it clicked. And so, you, you know, cause I've, we have league nights here and we'll get we'll get women come out to like the doubles ones now and then. And there's, I've definitely seen it. There's definitely, you know, like there's that, you see it kind of in the ladies. They're a little worried of like, just like being partnered up and like their partner just having like kind of that face of disappointment. It sounds bad, but it's so true. Like I've seen it and I've been like surprised. Like, and I think some guys have been surprised cause like some girls that go out there, you know, and they'll do that. And then they want to try harder and like, they want to like be the best they can be. And they end up like surprising their partner. Did you have that? Like when you started playing? Um, definitely. Actually that uh, day that the first day that I went to that like league weekly doubles, um, it was interesting because the, the player that I did get partnered up with, I could definitely sense like, Oh shoot, like darn, <laughs> I got paired up with the only girl. Like I could definitely sense that. But after I threw my first shot, they were all like, uh, where have you been like where what has been like what so that was really cool to like kind of surprise them on that first hole with my first drive it was like this moment of like ah, like I can breathe yeah. easy I'm in the right place I feel so good about my game and I'm yeah I'm ready to play I guess a interesting thought 
to kind of bring in here is like, let's say maybe you were a notch or two down in skill level from where you're at and you were in that same situation. And like, you can kind of sense that the other guys, you know, maybe not upset, but wishes it was not you like, what advice do you have for the ladies out there? Or even like, you know, guys, you know, sometimes you'll have that advanced player who's like at like head to the ground, like I'm going to win this. And you're just like out there to have a good time. And like, you kind of have those nerves of being with that person because you're not as good as him. Like any advice for those people? Um, For the women, I would just say, try your best, do what you can. And honestly, play smart golf. Uh, ask your partner and communicate that with them and just say like, do you want me to lay up or do you want to, do you want me to go for it? Communication is super important in doubles tournaments. And I think that's definitely awesome to keep in mind. And maybe for the men, I would say like, just be so encouraging. And it, that person is probably feeling incredibly nervous and uh, yeah, they probably know how you're feeling. And so just try to, play it off as if it doesn't really matter and maybe just, yeah, give them encouragement. And like I said, like communicate, get to know them, get to know how their game works, how they've been playing and make it more about like the relationship versus like the game as hard as that is. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, really good because I was one of those that got addictive really quickly. Like last year when I started playing, playing every day, twice a day, and then found out about league nights and then found out about like the local, local league. So I started going out to those, especially like one is just like down the street. So I wanted to go play doubles. And I mean, I was that new guy, like the new COVID player, you know, with like the new, like the, the starter pack and like the trooper bag. Like I was, I was that guy, but I was just hooked. And like, to me, like I just wanted to play and I was super excited about it. But a lot of these guys, they've been going out to these league nights for years. And you could tell kind of like that same kind of disappointed, like, oh, I'm with the new kid, like the new guy playing. And I would say one thing that I would see from other players in the same situation is they would constantly be apologizing, constantly mm-hmm. be like, oh, I'm sorry, like I suck. Or like, oh, like you're pretty much doing all the work, like sorry, like and just complaining and kind of ruining it when a lot of those guys like didn't really care. They're super cool. Like they were happy to meet people. And they, they know you're not great, but I feel like the new guys, instead of like adding to that relationship, like you were talking about, we're just kind of bringing down the vibe. Totally. Yeah. hundred percent. I think like if you just encourage them and like, if you build up their confidence, their confidence is going to grow. They're going to play better. So everybody knows like if you have a good mental game, then you're going to definitely play better. And if you have that negative self-talk, like, tell that person just to stop and like we're just here for fun like chill like it's all good yeah and I mean that's also kind of like truth like at the end of the day like I'd say 90% of people go out to play disc golf for fun like that's Mm -hmm. something we have to keep at the back of our minds like we're not going out here to you know you're not going out to doubles league trying to win a thousand dollars like maybe you'll hit that sick ace and that'll be awesome but like you you're going out to have fun so like definitely i agree with everything you're saying try to meet the person um even if you're not winning or you're getting bogeys or whatever it is as if you can continue to be encouraging then at least the vibes are good um because no one wants to be out especially when it's 100 degrees and just not have a good time not be playing well and then just hearing negative talk i don't know maybe no exactly and i know from exact like from experience actually being on a card with a bunch of people that have that negative self-talk it's just it brings down the whole vibe nobody's having fun it's kind of a drag and you go there to have fun right so definitely so let's let's continue on this journey you know so you continue playing league nights continue playing doubles maybe some tournaments here and there yeah, I actually uh, entered a tournament in Sylvan Lake. It was my very first uh, tournament, and it snowed in May, which is very unheard of in Alberta. So, but it happens, I guess. So, yeah, yeah, it snowed, and I there was no tee pads, and I was slipping all over the place. Didn't play great, but it was a good experience for sure. And how many people were in your tournament, like for the ladies? Oh, three, four, five. Like not very many. There was three in my division. In the whole tournament, there was probably six, maybe. 
Okay. Okay. I feel like I've gone to plenty of tournaments with one or fewer. So we'll take six. That's not bad. That's not bad. Um, So like, okay, first tournament, snowy, had a good time, but not the best performance. Was there a moment of uh, maybe I shouldn't play tournaments anymore, especially, you know, if I just spent all this money and didn't really play too well, like what was that thought coming into your head? Or was it like, no, I want to play more tournaments. This was a blast. Um, definitely during the tournament, I would say during, in between my first and second round, it was so cold. It was like minus two degrees in Canada. So just so cold and my hands were freezing. I had to wipe off my discs all the time, which was such a bummer. And, um, yeah, and it was a lot different than I thought it would be, but I think because of the elements, obviously it was a little bit more of a less enjoyable experience but uh the card mates that i had made it amazing so that was really fun and i would say that i my uh caddy my boyfriend uh did a really good job of keeping my spirits high and he was like no you're like this is a one-off joe like come on you you know better than this like you can do this and it wasn't it was definitely in between the second round where i was like okay i got this it's okay this is yeah i can do it so in between those rounds, uh, I was definitely feeling it. I was, it was very cold. <laughs> Do you feel like you gain um, – ex- obviously, you gain experience, but what do you feel like you gain from doing tournaments personally? Um, personally, I would say the mental game for sure is something I've realized for myself that I definitely want to work on more and definitely I am – like that experience for sure. Like once I started – stop. Uh, once I stopped caring about my score, I realized like, wow, I'm playing a lot better and I'm, I'm not so concerned about what I'm getting or how I'm playing or the fact that I'm slipping all over the teapad or whatever that, yeah, all of those other things that I can't really control. Once I stopped really worrying about that, then I, I started playing a lot better. Yeah, that's facts right there. Worrying about your score and having, I'm not saying having a goal is bad, but when your only goal is to hit a certain score, I think that's when negative things happen, more mistakes are made. Uh, A personal quick story for me is that recently I went out to a course that during league night, I took home first, shot six down, and then I was minus three through five the next time I went out there. And so I was like, oh, dude, I'm easily soaring past minus six this time. And it ended the round at minus five because literally the rest of the round, I kept telling myself what I was at through what. And so then the only thing that you're focusing on is that score, which brings your play down. You get more frustrated. You start feeling more un unapplied pressure which you don't have to have doesn't help you at all i think there is positive pressure which helps you perform under the clutch but this is just negative pressure that means literally nothing Uh, so i guess my question with that is is there anything other than you just trying to tell yourself like don't do that but like what happens when like those thoughts constantly continue to come into your head do you just try your best to think about literally anything else or what what are you telling yourself um, honestly, if I have awesome card mates, like I did on that tournament, um, a lot of times I just try to like have fun joke and just try to keep it as light as possible. Um, I'll definitely laugh at myself because I think that helps. It kind of shakes off some of that pain, maybe from a bogey or from anything. Yeah. From a, a slip on the teapot or whatever it might be. But yeah, I think for me, just keeping things light and continuing to just have fun try to remember why you're there and why you play disc golf is because of the fun and how much fun it is yeah yeah i think we hear that from some of the pros we've had on about just kind of distracting themselves they'll have a buddy caddy for them or someone you know that they know is going to keep it light but Let's continue talking about league nights, kind of. And from what I hear is you started one on your own. So tell us how this developed. Like, did you just get tired of not seeing other ladies out at doubles? Or how did that come about? Yeah, I actually remember calling all of my family and my boyfriend the night after league doubles. And I was like, can you believe it? I was the only girl there. And I was just 
yeah, I was like, this is crazy. There has to be more women in Edmonton that want to play disc golf. So what I did was I, I immediately said, like, regardless of if I'm going to have a league to help me back it up, I'm going to make a women's league. Like, this has to happen. And gratefully and thankfully, I'm so happy that um, Edmonton Disc Golf Association partnered with me on making the league. So that was super amazing. And I, I was so grateful for that as well. And honestly, word of mouth, I just started saying to people, I'm going to start making a league. I'm, we're going to have a women's league. We're going to do this. And then so eventually it just became a thing that like this is happening. And the more and more women that I saw on the course, the more women I would say, hey, I would just walk up to them on a round and I'd be like, just so you know, we might have a women's league come spring, like get get ready and like be prepared. And it was, yeah, it was definitely really cool to see, uh, yeah, Edmonton Disc Golf Association and I partner together and create this women's league that we didn't know Edmonton needed until, yeah, until that one day that I went, there was no other ladies at the tournament. What was the turnout like at that first women's league night? Oh, my word. Uh, that was wild. I actually remember... Uh, I'll back it up a little bit, but there was a call between uh, the president of the Disc Golf Association. His name's Tim Plamondon. And so he was on the call and then a, a woman named Vicky and she's the secretary of the Disc Golf Association. And um, it was just wild. I remember having our first meeting and basically meeting them face to face for the first time. And because of COVID, we couldn't really meet up too much. And so... I met with them and Vicky was, Vicky told me that it went live, like registration is open, this has happened. And it was, it was crazy. She was like, oh my word. And I, she was like, guess how many people we have? And I was like, ah, well, maybe five, 15, like maybe 20, 20 is like pushing it. That's pretty, that's pretty big number. And so I was kind of like, maybe 15, like 10, 15. And she was like, no, we have 52 women that have signed up. So yeah, it was wild. So our first league night actually was a meet and greet. And it was kind of like a meet and greet. But it was also like, if you don't know anything about disc golf, we're going to open up like a little clinic and give you a little heads up on what you're signing up for, basically. Um, so we had like a putting clinic, we had a, like a driving backhand clinic, we had like a forehand clinic, and then we had like a rules and like, maybe stuff you should know about disc golf, like how the disc flight patterns work and all of that kind of good stuff that maybe you don't know as a beginner. Um, so that was our very first night. And it was in the midst of COVID and we had regulations and a bunch of uh, like, yeah, restrictions on how many people could be outside together, but it was incredible. The turnout was fantastic. We had, I think we had all of 50, basically 50 people coming out on that first night, like just insane. And we actually are so, uh, blessed to have a company called Disc Golf Supply Code to be our sponsor as well. So they sponsored our entire league and they also offered a $20 gift card to each of the women's league members who signed up. So super cool. That, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, yeah. 50, that's, that's like good turnout for like, just like a, a regular league night, like just, a, you know, guys or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah it, just... It's pretty impressive. And I would say that we are one third of the disc golf association members now, like the Edmonton disc golf association. We are now taking up one third of the space. So that just shows you like we have, three, four leagues. So that just shows you like, we're, we're taking it by storm. Like it's pretty amazing. And so and that's so, continued to grow. I oh see. yes. Yes. It's definitely continued to grow. I think we're re approaching around 65 now. So yeah, we're, we're growing and it's pretty insane. Yep. So that first league night, you know, you had the 50 plus uh, ladies show up to that how many of those 50 that showed up really didn't know much about disc golf or like were there and wanted to learn like firsthand experience about disc golf I would say probably close to 90 to 80 percent of them 
didn't have a clue. Like, yeah, I would say probably around that because I would ask the question every time I was the putting kind of like station is my, that was my role. And every time I had the same question, I just wanted to know like how many of you are new at disc golf? How many of you have played? Like for me, I've played like around 10 years. I've known about it. So how many have you like played? And the answer was always like, oh, it was because of COVID. Oh, this or oh, that. Like it was very much the theme of the response. So. And obviously, you know, with the growth to, you know, now around 65, would you say that, you know, most of the people are returning players? It's not just a constant new batch every time. So oh, it's yes. pretty yeah. established at this point. Definitely. I would say that like it's become its own little community. And I feel like a lot of these women have found refuge in the fact that like it's a night off from their kids or it's a night off from having to, I don't know, like walk their dog in a park over here. And like now they can walk their dog on a disc golf course or whatever it might be. Some of the courses allow that. So yeah, but it's pretty cool to see all these women just like, they don't really mind what their score is. They don't really mind anything. They just are there for like the social interaction and they do enjoy like getting better. Like it's so fun to see. Yeah. It's fun to see them all say like, Whoa, I just got my first birdie or I just got my first par. Like it's, it's pretty fun to see and get to live that through their eyes too. You know, I think that's like super important to have like why, like it's important for like league nights to have like a women's league night. We have one here in town as well. And I think it's huge just for that comfort zone, that comfort level, you know, just from like personal experience, like with my wife or like with other ladies that, that I've played with and just like their level, there's like an intimidation factor. And like you as a player, you want to introduce them to the sport and you want to teach them as much as you can, but it's kind of intimidating to them because, you know, and it's weird, like not everyone is as competitive as guys. Like, guys, I feel like the way we're raised is you're, you're just, like, raised to be kind of like a sport machine, kind of. So, you're, like, fr from a kid, you're told, like, you're supposed to be good at sports, and you kind of have that in you. And I feel like girls, unfortunately, don't always get that same. So, you have the ones that they want to try sports, and they want to learn new things, but they don't have that, like, competitive that, like, you're given to as a kid, like, as a boy, kind of. So I feel like it's really important for those woman league nights because you can go like with people at your same comfort zone and be able to play without feeling like you're not as good as the person that's teaching you or whatever. Definitely. Yeah, no, I think that's definitely true. And it's nice to see like the little pockets of like how people have paired up and like you can tell the ones that are like, the moms that have been moms for like 20 years and they are just like ready just to play some fun disc golf with their friends and they invite their friends out and that's like a social interaction thing for them. Or you have the ones like myself, like there's a couple of us that are like pretty competitive and that want to continue to grow and get better. And then you see the ones that are like just brand new and they're just diving headfirst in and they're also learning as they go. So it's, it's super cool to see the different, pathways people take with disc golf for any listeners at home that are you know listening to you talk right now and are like wow that's so cool like i would love to make a league like that like i want to make a difference in my community and make it like a better place for all disc golfers like what advice do you have for setting up a league locally uh for me i would say the advice that i would give you is to hook up with whoever is your like uh, disc golf association league person or like the president of that league. And I would just say, yeah, just ask them and plead and beg and do all of the things. And if that doesn't work, honestly, I would say if you build it, they will grow, like it will grow. And right now COVID's just been an awesome example of how disc golf has grown. And it's, only getting better and bigger and the more people that I'm seeing out on the course it's crazy it's just I I'm assuming it's the same in all over the world because it the numbers have just risen so much for disc golfers but I would just say yeah connect up with whoever is your league person if and then also the word of mouth trick worked very well I actually had a funny story 
about this where I was, um, I was about to tee off on hole one at Rundle Park in Edmonton, Alberta. And I was approached by someone and he came up to me and he was like, hey, I, just so you know, I think there's a women's league starting up. And I was like, okay, like, uh, sweet. Like, that's cool. I was kind of like hesitant to say any more because I was like, is there another women's league? Like, am I not aware of something? And then he was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's this girl with like two first names and my full name is Joanne. So, um, she, yeah, he was like, I'm pretty sure it's this girl who has like two first names. And I was like, uh, I'm pretty sure that's me. And he was like, Oh, whoa, cool. Like I've been telling everybody about your league. So sweet. Like, that's awesome. And so that was actually a, a pretty weird thing for me where I was like, whoa, like other people are doing the work for me. So like, yeah, just tell other people in your community and get them to start spreading the word too. Yeah, that's one weird thing about like disc golfers. It's like a weird, it's like not quite a cult, but you love sharing like the word about it. And you totally. like as, as many people as you can get involved in like introduced to it, like the, the better you feel about it for some reason. Like we all have like the same agenda of like, introduce as many people to it as possible yeah i think like uh the pdga says it the best when they just say like grow the sport and that's exactly what each disc golfer is trying to do right like we're all just trying to grow the sport and make it accessible for anyone and everyone true which is very well said and another question i have kind of flowing in with this is like what are let's assume you get the league going right you got the clearance you are ready for takeoff on hole one on whatever night, Thursday night, we'll say, right? What are some tips for a successful league? Like now that you're here, you've started it. How do you continue to make it a success, have fun, continue to get people to come in? Like, you know, I feel like that's a big part of the challenge that maybe you'd have some awesome insight to. Definitely. I would say to create some sort of social media or like text message group or some sort of group where you can connect with others, not just on league night, but you can connect with them like throughout the week and make it more of a community thing. And that way you can, if you find people that you're connected to in the league, you'll return and you'll want to keep going back. So I would say that's a big one. And that's something we did right off the bat and definitely helped out. Then like if someone wants to have a round with someone, then they're able to like message them or just even message the group and be like, Hey, I'm about to go to Rundle or I'm about to go to this course. Like, would anyone be up for a round? And then you get the messages flowing in and it's cool to see like people partnering up and playing. And another big one for us was having um, scorecards on UDISC actually. That was a big one to keep score and make it like we can have a leaderboard and all of that stuff. Like it makes it kind of more fun and more interactive for people. Um, and definitely uh, another one that we've been doing is like having like lots of prizes, having incentives for people to come out. We have a, we have a raffle for our disc golf league. Um, and basically it's just, if you show up, you get entered into the raffle. So you don't have to, it's not about score. It's not about winning. It's not about anything like that. It's like, basically all you have to do is be present, come play around, and you're entered in to win like some pretty sweet prizes. Like we have, I think we have a basket as one of our prizes. We have um, some sweet discs. Like we have lots and lots of discs. We have some bags. We have some, yeah, just like pretty cool incentives for people just to keep coming out and keep trying. And I think it helps a lot <laughs> to have something partway through. Yeah, for sure. And just real quick on was there a reason why you needed like clearance or approval to start the league night or like what makes it a sanctioned league night, I guess is the question. What makes it a sanctioned league night? I would. What? Oh, for on you disc, you mean? Well, you just said, you know, or... you met with the president and then you met with oh. the secretary to make it like an official. Cause I mean, what's to stop someone from just like, Oh, I'm wanting to start a league night and then just make right. a Facebook group and like, Oh, we're going to start a face like a league night in my town. 
Right. For me, it wasn't so much about like, I couldn't do that. It was more so I wanted the support of the league members who have already like, they've already been established for about 20 years. So I'm like, I may as well try and see if they have any su supportive ideas or like, because I would be just left on my own if I had just started it on my own. And I appreciate the help of them so much. And the members are just like, so awesome. And I feel like in Edmonton, it's a pretty like connected. Um, yeah, it's pretty connected now. So all of the leagues are kind of connected in, out of Edmonton Disc Golf Association. So, yeah. So I guess another question I have on this topic is, is there anything to avoid for your league? Like, you know, you're the league, the guy or gal who runs the league. Like, is there anything to avoid or maybe some pitfalls? Hmm. That's a good question. I would say anything to avoid. I would say avoid making it too competitive. Maybe avoid, yeah, ma avoid making it all about the score sometimes. Sometimes we just, like, like I said in the past, like disc golf, we all primarily play it for fun. And yeah, the bragging rights are pretty fun once, once you win and you get some bragging rights. But um I would say like make it about the fun and like make holes uh, like change up the holes. Sometimes if it, if you have one course, who's stopping you from changing up the holes and like starting a different tee pad somewhere else, just try to make it fun for the whole league and make it challenging, but also really enjoyable. So did you see a increase in your local tournaments or people signing up for tournaments? Yes. Huge increase. Yeah, definitely. I actually just played around with the director of our, of our tournaments in Alberta. Well, at least in Edmonton. And he said it was like, he, his, he's run off his feet. Like he is just run off his feet with how busy it is and how full it is. And he's trying to accommodate everyone and make space for everyone. But there's too many people now to sign up. Like everything's full. So it's just crazy. Have you ever thought of, or maybe you already have, and you can share your experience with it, of running like a women's only like tournament? Have you ever done that? Or like, have, what are your experiences with that if you have? That is very interesting you say that because this year for the WGE, I got my TD, I got my tournament director, and I, it, I went and did the test on the PDGA website. I got my officials. I'm a an official tournament director now. And I was supposed to do a WGE event in Edmonton, but because of COVID, we got hit pretty hard in May. And it uh, actually, uh, like all of the tournaments in Canada, I think were canceled. So that was a big bummer. So I was going to do one, but then because of COVID, I couldn't. And so was it going to be kind of structured like the same, like as far as like divisions, just the same way it's done now? Yes, definitely. Yeah, just the same way it's done now. We were going to do it at a smaller nine hole course. So it would have been just two rounds of, I think it would have just been a shorter tournament just for uh, the women that like, just to make it more accessible for them. Nice. Have you, I guess this is an interesting question. Um, have you seen any like interest level increases for women like when the course is smaller like I guess where I'm going with this is like when I was in Manhattan Kansas there was a, a smaller nine hole course where like the longest hole was maybe like 225 or something like that like everything was in between like 150 and 210 for the most part and like my girlfriend loved that course um, and I liked it very much as well. Like, have you seen any kind of like trend in that, like maybe smaller courses women have enjoyed more, like want to play more or any benefits to that? Definitely. We actually did that on purpose at our league. We started out at a, a smaller course. It's just that little nine hole that I was talking about. And we started out with that course on purpose, just to give people a little warm up, just kind of get them ready for what's to come. And I've already heard from the feedback so far, it sounds like the hills, the course that we were at, it sounds like that course was definitely 
a more preferred course for that reason. And just they felt like they were able to approach the holes a little, in a little bit easier way. Like now it feels less daunting for them. So definitely, I would say that. Yeah, it's definitely more encouraging when, you know, courses are a bit easier or like for any new player, the distances, you know, it's even though it's fun, like that's one thing about disc golf is and why it's addictive because it's easy, easier to pick up than other things. But when you can't make a part like at a course, like that's not fun for anybody, like no matter who you are. And so I think those those courses are really cool, especially, you know, we have a couple here in town one of them is actually at an elementary school and it's like on the actual school grounds and it's just this tiny little nine hole and I feel like that's awesome because like kids can get used to the sport and they can actually learn the rules you know like a par and all that stuff because the distances are kind of it makes sense for them yeah no definitely and that's cool that you're saying like talking about kids too because I work at an elementary school and I actually help them choose baskets and choose discs and so that's been really fun to see them learn how to like throw a disc or I've had many teachers ask me if I could come in and do little workshops with their classes and that's been really cool to see too. Wow that's awesome Mm -hmm. definitely something I would love to see happen here locally more Um, so love that the course is already on that school grounds but just the more kids that can get involved and so much fun especially like for me something that I absolutely love about disc golf is the fact that I can unplug put my phone away for two hours or however long it is and just be in nature which you don't get a whole lot of that anymore Um, so yeah the kids getting into it is I think really, really cool. I think we've had a fantastic discussion so far, but something I really want to talk about is this Joe back Thursday. What is going on with that? Yes. So once I am on Instagram, so I, I am pretty, yeah, that's primarily what I use for social media. And I started something on my Instagram account for my disc golf account um, called throwback Thursday. And it was just this way for me to be like, oh, I have all these videos of me throwing or my family throwing in like in the past and, and I just had no use for them. So I was like, why not make this thing called Throwback Thursday where I post every week and I'll post as well. But I'm, I was asking my Instagram followers to contribute and like tag me in their videos so I can repost them on my page and so that everyone can kind of have a use for these videos that we haven't really maybe otherwise had a use for. And uh, for myself and for my family, I know for sure we definitely take a lot of form videos or like just like ACE runs or whatever it might be. But yeah, so I started doing that. And then I approached Jomez Pro and I asked them if maybe we could collaborate on this. And my thoughts were maybe we could call it Joe Back Thursday because we both have the start of our name is Joe. So that was uh, definitely an exciting and fun opportunity to get started on. And Jomez has been incredibly awesome. I've been loving working with them on that and collaborating with them with, uh, yeah, just to grow the love of disc golf and grow the love of like watching yourself either fail or succeed and it's been super fun that's that's really cool to hear that you know especially how you guys were able to come up with that and like do that together and that's one thing me and Quentin you know have experienced when we started talking about doing this podcast or just like eventually growing and just continuing like the time we've done it so far just how close and how welcoming the disc golf community is and like a lot of the pros, we were, we were nervous, you know, maybe not being able to get people to come on the show or all that, but it's been so good. Like everyone's been so nice to us, like we'll reach out and people are pretty, pretty welcoming that, you know, they come chat with us. And I feel like hopefully the disc golf community can stay that way. You know, even though if it continue, continues to grow, people can keep that positive attitude about just like helping each other out. Definitely. I totally agree. And they were so receptive. And my main mission is to grow women's disc golf. Like that's what I want to do. And that's my main mission. But this Joe back Thursday thing kind of incorporates, like I have a lot of women followers, so it, it helps in that sense too. And I was like, 
yeah, maybe we could grow women's disc golf through this. And like, if I, if I just send you videos of me asking about Joe back Thursday, like maybe we can grow women's disc golf together and they loved it. So yeah, super grateful for that. That's awesome. And if you're a new listener on this podcast and you'd love to hear more interviews like this with very talented women in the game. Uh, just scroll a little bit. We've got episodes with Haley King, Vanessa Van Dyken, and many more. So definitely check them out. Ton of things to learn, and they were just incredible to talk to. Uh, my next question here for you, Joe, is like, what kind of tips do you have for like collabing or like approaching like the big dogs in the sport? Because Jomez Pro is arguably the biggest dog, the alpha in the disc golf community. Any yes. tips for anyone trying to like, even like, let's say it's, you know, a local player who wants to talk to you, you know, any, anything, right. or, you know, talking to brands or whatever, you know, any tips for someone to try to collab with someone else or just approaching people? Definitely. Yeah. I have some good tips that I've actually learned uh, through my boyfriend. He's a photographer and he works with a lot of brands. So um, definitely learned a lot from him. And I would say the main tip is just to keep it professional and um, don't slide into people's DMs. That's probably maybe not the best. Um, maybe like approach it with an email maybe would be like a big, that's like usually a better way to go about it. It's a little bit more professional um, and maybe tell them what you can give them. Like I told Jomez Pro, like I'm here to help you grow women's disc golf and I expected nothing in return. So um, yeah, honestly, I would just say just to, um, tell them what you can do for them and how you can be of service to them, not what you want out of it, but how you can be of service to them and clearly have your ideas stated. Um, yeah, come up, be creative, come up with a lot of good ideas and probably unique ideas too, is things that haven't been done before. I know that is like a lot of people want new and exciting ideas. So that would probably be a big one too. Well, perfect. You know, I think there's a lot, you know, we've talked about and I feel like we could continue talking about growing the sport, especially women's. Thank you so much for what you're doing. But I think if you guys are ready, I think we're ready to get into our ace round. Oh, yes, I am. For sure. I'm definitely ready. Uh, Horatio, start us off with question one today. If you're excited for the ace round, make sure you hit that thumbs up button if you're listening on YouTube. And Horatio, can you also give for those new listeners who hopefully just learned a ton about women in disc golf and, you know, league nights and things like that? Could you explain what the ace round is? Yep. So these are just the same five questions we ask every single person that comes on. They're kind of questions, you know, to get a quick tip or two from the pros or from whoever we have on and just people to compare and look back at the same questions and see what they can take away. But the very first question we have is, you know, you have a lady that just came to your league night and she loved it and she wants to go buy her first set of discs. What one putter mid and driver would you recommend to her? Um, that's a good question for a putter. I would probably say, Part of me wants to say a P model S because that's what I putt with, but I would probably say something around maybe more of the style of like a Berg, something like that won't have a lot of roll, something that would be a little bit more sticky. Um, yeah, a cast plus Berg probably is what I would suggest for a putter. And then for a mid, I would say, uh, I would say probably a zone would probably be, um, a discraft zone would probably be probably, yeah, the top just that I would choose for a mid. And then if there was a driver, let me think here. A driver, let's say, I would say maybe a Sidewinder. I've loved my Sidewinder. That's kind of what was my gateway drug to disc golf. So I would say a Sidewinder by Innova. Nice. Those are some good choices. Our second question here is, what is the favorite course you have played in one course you would love to play? Well, I maybe will give my cabin uh, course a little shout out. It, uh, its name is Peter Hope and Peter Hope Lake. And I would probably give them a huge shout out because that's my little cabin course that I've loved to play so much. But also, if I can throw in an extra one, uh, De La Vega is just an incredible course. And my brother used to live in Santa Cruz, like 10 minutes down the road. So 
I would say for sure that one as well. And oh, yeah. one that I would like to play is Fountain Hill. I would love to play Fountain Hill. So picturesque. Where is Fountain Hill? Okay, is that also in California? I, I believe that one is in Las Vegas, if I'm not Las Vegas. mistaken. Okay, okay. I think that's the one that Thanks. they were... A big fountain. I want to say it's yeah, Arizona. Yeah. What was that? I say, I, I think that's Arizona. Oh, yes, Arizona. That's, so, that's totally it. Okay. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> okay, cool. I get the states mixed up, just like you guys probably get the cat. Get yeah right yeah that's yeah that's that's oh. our bad yeah i didn't even think think about that but no, okay next next one i got here for you the one tip you would give to yourself just starting out in disc golf hmm the one tip i would give myself is to go out and play by yourself enjoy around by yourself and just see how your discs fly yeah, go play by yourself because honestly, for me, that's when it kind of turned a corner is when I started playing by myself and I started to not worry about whoever else was throwing or how their shots were doing. And I just, I just was able to go out and enjoy it for myself. Yeah, that's a really good one. The fourth question we have for you, what is your favorite memory playing disc golf? Okay, favorite memory. Um. Oh, this is a pretty good one. I was playing disc golf with my family here in Edmonton and I was, my mom was about to tee off. My mom plays disc golf as well. And I actually get, got to witness her first ace. So that was probably one of my best memories. And she's such an inspiration to me. So shout out to you, mom. <laughs> That's awesome. I yeah. love it that it's just like a family thing for you guys. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. All right, last question I got here for you is, what is the biggest mistake you see new players make? Hmm, biggest mistake is maybe not understanding the flight patterns of your disc, or I would say that one, or maybe even not using the T-pad correctly. Like, for me, when I used to play disc golf, like, with my brothers back in the day, I would just throw... Like I would just run up to the tee pad straight on. Like I would just run up straight. But once you can figure out the angles of how, how to get your disc to fly a certain way based on the angles of the tee pad and using the corners of the tee pad, I would say that's a big one as well. Yeah, that's a really good tip. And all of those were such good answers, unique answers that we've not heard on every single episode. Those were awesome. That was a killer ace round. Joe, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Where can the people connect with you? The people can connect with me on Instagram and YouTube. I have a YouTube channel as well. Um, it's called Joe Henderson Disc Golf. It's pretty simple. Well, perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time, Joe. And, you know, if thank there's you. any... You know, to all the ladies listening, if you're tired, you know, of going to league night, you know, maybe just you're tired of the guys, you know, maybe they're just too rowdy for you and you want to start your own, you want to meet new lady disc golfers, reach out to Joe. I'm sure she would love to chat with you and help you in starting your own league night. That would be awesome. I mean, that's how we're going to grow the sport is, you know, doing our own part. You've obviously done it and it's going great. So thank you so much to that. For sure. Thank you for having me. This has been a blast. Thank you for listening to the Chain Clankers podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Chain Clankers and hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to us from so you never miss another episode.